Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. The Opinions, the panel. Panel this morning consists of uh, Jamie Wall and Andrew Gorey. Good morning to uh, both of you gentlemen. Jamie, can I start with you? Just been talking to Michelle Hooper, uh, who is, of course, in charge of uh, putting together the Rugby World Cup uh, here in Australia for women begins on October the 8th. Uh, just the two venues, Auckland and Whangarei. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of New Zealand quite realises that just yet. What do you, you make of that concept? Yeah, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, Gods. Uh, yeah, I remember when this first got announced, it was, it was actually way back in 2018 um, when uh, New Zealand won the hosting rights uh, for this. And it was greeted with, obviously, a lot of enthusiasm and, ex- and excitement and then it kind of got tempered a little bit because you got this this situation where the the, the entire thing's only going to be played in one one region um i personally i'd like i would have liked to have seen it if it was a proper world cup like we just saw what the cricket the women's cricket world cup uh has done in terms of grabbing the public's expectation uh Sorry, public's um, imagination, and even though you know the crowd restrictions were 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 in place for most of it, having the tournament move around the country and having having these games pop up every day in a different part of the country, uh, kind of just drew a lot of people in. And I think that if you look at a rugby example of of what can happen if you leave places out, was the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Um, and through through no one's fault, obviously the earthquake had had destroyed um, Lancaster Park, and so nothing could could have happened there. But I remember talking to some people from Christchurch and thinking that, and and them thinking that you know the the whole thing had kind of passed them by a little bit, and they didn't feel quite as engaged as they could do. I'm, I'm you know I, I know that the World Cup organisers did their best to to make sure that it ran uh, properly in those places and got to as many people as it did. But still, if you if you bring a World Cup to a country, you really should be spreading it across uh, as much as it, uh, of it as you can. A lot of it is down to, I, I think, um, travel costs and things. But again, that to me just shows uh, just sort of where women's rugby sits in the minds of the people who are running the game. Um, because if it was being treated like the men, um, it wouldn't just be being played in Auckland and Whangarei. I can tell you that much. Yeah, interesting point. I, I, as you're saying that, I, I totally agree. I, I wouldn't imagine the, the men's being limited to just two venues and so uh, geographically isolated in that point. But, uh, Gords, what, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, morning, morning, Smithy, morning, Jamie, morning to your listeners. Um, yeah, look, I totally, totally agree with everything, everything Jamie said. From New Zealand's point of view, when it comes to 
hosting, and in fact any country for that matter, when it comes to hosting a World Cup, what's the point? What's the point of hosting a World Cup? It's to, it's to boost engagement. Um, and it's to boost engagement uh, throughout all of the regions. And, and I suppose in the case of uh, hosting a Women's Rugby World Cup, the idea, I, I imagine, from, from the New Zealand government's point of view anyway, would be to showcase the game to a younger audience and inspire that next generation of player who is hopefully going to pick up a ball and decide to play, play rugby. Now, if there's only two regions that are going to be exposed to that. What is the purpose? From, 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 I'd love to ask Grant Robertson that. What, what is the purpose of this then? Why, why are you hosting this World Cup if there's only two, two regions, really, which are, are actually going to get to see this in the flesh? I mean, you can say people get to watch it on TV. Well, you can watch it on TV, whether it's in New Zealand or Timbuktu. It doesn't really matter. Um, so that feels like a massive missed opportunity to me and the entire purpose, I suppose, of hosting a World Cup kind of really needs to be called into question, doesn't it? And, and well, uh, just, yeah. just following on, sorry, just one, one key thing. Um, you know, Michelle Hooper did come on and, and talk a lot of advertorial uh, content in her, in her little piece there. Um, but uh, it doesn't really make an awful lot of sense um, having it just in two places because when you think about it, if you are going to be taking children and families to this, it would be just sort of one thing at a time. And if you're stacking up events in, in Whangarei and, uh, and in Auckland um, on sort of every, every three days, you're not just going to get those people who are uh, showing up for, you know, just the one-off um, experience. They're going to go once, but then next time uh, you're not going to get those people back because it's just a, out of curiosity for them. So it doesn't make an awful lot of sense commercially either. No, it, it, it doesn't. Uh, I can see uh, on the other side of the balance sheet where it makes a lot of sense because you've got a lot less expense in, in terms of travel and uh, accommodation and uh, all those sorts of things and moving teams from A to B. Um, so it makes... On, on one side of the balance, and, and of course logistically, as Michelle alluded to, damn side easy to run, simple as that. Uh, as opposed to Gord's, uh, the Cricket World Cup uh, for women, um, I, you know, I, I was involved in a, from a commentary point of view, but I, I would imagine most people look back on that uh, and think, yeah, a, a success, we weren't that good as a team, but uh, women's cricket, as they say, in a very horrible old parlance, uh, was the winner. Yeah, yeah, too true, Smithy. Um, and, and yeah, like if, if we can, and I, I don't know, Jamie sort of alluded to it before, if we can compare the two World Cups, I think the, the Women's Cricket World Cup, you would have to say, despite the performance of the White Ferns, um, was, was a massive success. And I think it was wonderful to see games played right across uh, the country. Um, and we got to see some fantastic players as well. I mean, you know, I, I think New Zealand audiences in particular... Um, were probably exposed to players that they perhaps had never heard of, but they certainly know those names now. Um, and like I say, we were treated to, to some um, absolutely fantastic performances. I was really interested in, in the comments from Alyssa Healy um, and Meg Lanning, for that matter, um, post-tournament, talking about, about prize money and, and the, how they would like to see prize money um, not just obviously boosted for the women's game, but how it perhaps might be spread. Um, I thought that was a really noble thing to say um, because it would be so easy wouldn't it I, I can't imagine you know what while obviously Australia and England I suppose from a, a women's cricketing point of view are the two premier nations um, I can't imagine for example that they're getting paid anywhere near as much as their their male colleagues but they understand the broader concept that to make the game bigger and better you need to build from the base up you know if, you, if you're bu- building a building a tower out of your leg at home or whatever and you, you have a tiny base, well, it's not going to get very high before it falls over. But if you broaden the base, 
you're going to be able to build up so much higher. And I think that's a, that's a great concept. And it's, I think it's interesting, though, that it takes for the players to realise that and voice their opinions on that. Um, it's really up to the administrators and the people who are deciding how much uh, each team gets at a World Cup. They really need to take a look at that model and see what they can do, what they can be doing differently to try and build up, I suppose, some of those, those smaller nations to ensure that come the next World Cup, there's more than just two teams, really, who are competing for the title. Andrew Gordy, Jamie Wall with us uh, on the panel this morning. Going to take a very short uh, news break uh, and come back with uh, another two or three burgeoning issues. The panel. You've said countless times throughout your career that you don't enter a golf tournament unless you think that you can win it. Mm -hmm. So the question is simple. Do you think you can win the Masters this week? I do. Tiger Woods, very short answer. Do you think you can win the Masters? Yes, we're with uh, Andrew Gordy. Uh, and Jamie Wall this morning uh, on the panel. Uh, Jamie Wall, it's been confirmed. Tiger Woods tees off, uh, I think, 10.23 Eastern Standard Time on uh, Thursday morning in the USA and Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, what have you made of uh, this Tiger Woods chapter? I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, I love the two-word answer. Uh, just keep it as succinct <laughs> as possible. You know, it's, it's, it's iconic. I love it. It's just like when uh, Michael Jordan ret- uh, returned. You know, I'm back. All you need is two words. It's perfect. It's perfect. A lot of people could learn learn from Tiger Woods in terms of getting their message across. Um, I think that, you know, as, as a casual golf fan, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to tell you about uh, backswing or, or anything like that. But, you know, for me, this guy is golf. He, he When he plays, you watch. You know, you look at those crowds that are showing up just to watch him practice and you see what he brings to the sport and how much they need not just not just golf needs, but but sports itself needs guys like him, uh, icons. Um, at the same time, though, it is interesting for me because you know only a fortnight ago we were talking about Ash Barty and her decision to walk away at age 25, uh, 26. Uh, you know, well before a lot of people thought she would, and and we could all celebrate that and and be happy for her for the choice she's made. And at the same time, we can be happy for a guy like Tiger Woods, who's come out um, at 43, who has every excuse, uh, you know, to be just living it up somewhere nice uh, under a palm tree, sipping a cocktail and not even thinking about this. But the the drive that he has, the competitive spirit that the guy has can be admired as well. And I think it's really nice to have those two two stories that should really be conflicting each other. But really, it shows that as sports fans, we have these these intriguing stories that uh, are coming from both sides that we can appreciate um, as well. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing him get out there because for me, you know, yeah, like I said, the guy is golf. He is the sport. I, I totally agree. Um, and Goods, it's hard to imagine a bigger sporting story this year as, as early as we are in the year with World Cups, etc., around the joint and everything else going on. I'm not sure there'll be a bigger story for the media worldwide than this one. Oh, Smitty, I, I absolutely love it. And, you know, I never thought I'd hear, um, given his track record, I probably never thought I'd hear Tiger Woods say, oh, I do again, but here we are. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, he's broken the internet, hasn't he? He's broken the internet with this. He's, uh, and he's probably, um, you know, uh, probably made grown men cry with those two words. Um, I just cannot wait for the circus. And, you know, I think anyone, put aside what you may or may not think about Tiger Woods for a moment, what you cannot deny and what I personally love, and it's what I love about guys like Nick Kyrgios, for example, is I don't really, I don't really care like how they go. I just love what they attract and what they bring. Like 
everyone is going to tune in to either see Tiger Woods win the Masters or compete in the Masters or fail miserably. And I'm sure there will be some people who will be tuning in in the hope that he can win it and even possibly in the hope that he crashes and burns, so to speak, um, because they don't like the guy. But it is going to be a wild ride. He, he doesn't... Um, he, he doesn't... Sorry, what I I mean is he he is able to do things to golf that other players simply can't. And I love that you know full well that by simply saying, I do, whether he believes that or not, he has just managed to get into the head of every single player who is going to be on that course this week. Because they'll be looking at him going, there's absolutely no way this guy can compete. He's he's coming back from from a car crash at the Masters. There's no way he can compete. But they'll be wondering. They'll be sitting there thinking... Maybe, just maybe, Tiger's actually in better shape than any of us think. And I need to be prepared for that. And suddenly they're not thinking about their own game. And Tiger's, Tiger's already um, one under at the start of the round, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting too, Jamie, isn't it, from a, a player's point of view? I mean, uh, I, I would imagine most of them have serious belief in their own ability. I mean, that's half the battle in golf. If you can believe you can play, you can do that. But all of a sudden, uh, not one of them, as good as they've been in Tiger's absence, uh, is uh, the number one pick anymore. Uh, and, and as Gord said, he, and one of the reasons why uh, they do not now believe that they're the most important person there is because Tiger's there and he attracts the crowds, he attracts the media, uh, he attracts the headlines. And, and to some of their egos, that might be just a little bit destroying. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I think the PGA Tour is certainly a place where egos uh, go to um, you know, uh, foster and, and grow. And I think that, yeah, you're, you're probably right. There are a few guys who are going to be a little bit miffed at the lack of uh, attendance at their press conferences, the lack of TV cameras following their, their round. And uh, I was listening to it. Uh, I think it was uh, our other golf correspondent, Guy Havelt, who I understand has actually played at Augusta. Uh, but he may have mentioned that <laughs> once or twice um, in, in, in the past. But he mentioned the fact that you have this war at Augusta and, and you, you, you're almost sort of, 800 metres away from something happening and you can hear something going on and, and it's unmistakable. And the thing now is that every time that roar goes up, all of those other guys know that it's for one guy because that's who everyone's come to see. And so, yeah, you're right. It, it is going to be a bit crushing for some of those guys. It is going to uh, affect their egos and may well affect the way that they play. Just changing uh, tack, fellas, a uh, quick opinion before we go. Um, Jamie... What do we know about Costa Rican football? And what do we have to find out about Costa Rican football in a hurry? Uh, well, I'm sure um, the, uh, football, the football scribes around the country who do a very, very good job, who have done a great job covering the All-Whites in the, um, in the qualifying series uh, so far, that the All-Whites not only won, but did so in style, like did, did so in a way that gives us a bit of confidence about where, where they're going and, and what they're trying to do. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna come out and say I don't know anything about Costa Rican football whatsoever. I did a quick Wikipedia search um, after the after I got confirmed that they they were going to be the All Whites opponents, and I was kind of surprised because I thought that a lot of them would have played in the MLS or at least the uh, Mexican um, division, uh, Premier Division uh, there. But uh, it turns out the Costa Rican uh, local league is actually pretty strong because that's where most of their players are coming from. So I can tell you that much. Um, I think, though, that the one thing that is definitely going to work in the All-White's favour in this match coming up is that it's getting get played on uh, neutral ground. Yes, it would be wonderful if 
Um, they, they, they had a home match. Um, it's been a long time since you always played at home and to play a World Cup qualifier. But I went to the last one against Peru and it was a fantastic experience. Um, but it's probably worth giving up um, just so they don't have to go and face the sort of um, vociferous fandom that exists in South American uh, football, because, especially because the Costa Rican fans have uh, quite the reputation for putting, uh, putting off players. And, um, you know, I think that the neutral venue thing and the one-off game is not only going to uh, work in the audience's favour, it's actually going to work in the fans' favour as well because it's going to mean there's going to be a lot more attacking football. You're not going to see a first leg where one team just parks the bus. Yeah, good. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I've I got uh, quite a lot of faith in Danny Hay as a coach. I just think he's the perfect kind of quintessential Kiwi coach, actually. He puts his players first for, for the most part and, and just gets on with it. And I, I think there's a nice feel about this. I, I'm quietly confident. Yeah, look, I, I, I hear you uh, with regards to Danny Hay. I know some of the um, the Wellington football ultras um, or, and football snobs don't really have much time for him, but I actually think he's done a pretty reasonable job, both with the 23s, uh, obviously, when it came to the Olympics, um, and now with this all-whites team. Um, but they've got some quality players, and, and it's not just quality players now. Like, if we, can, if we compare back to the last, I suppose, great era, if we can call it that, of, of all-whites football, back at the 2010 World Cup, you know, we had a great first 11 and you know Ricky and Ryan and that managed to put together 11 players who could do a really good job on the pitch but there was very little depth there I think that's changed now and we're, we're actually producing a, a different type of player who can play a different style of football um, and, and I think we're we're really seeing that now and I think Danny's doing a fantastic job in terms of Costa Rica look they've got fantastic football and pedigree you know it was only you know look back at the 2014 World Cup they topped a group that featured Uruguay Italy and England so, so if you can emerge from a group like that and top that group, that just shows you what sort of um, footballing nation we're coming up against. And, and in more recent form, obviously the last day of the CONCACAF qualifiers, they, they beat U, the USA 2-0. Now, USA have already qualified for the World Cup, I get that, but if, if you can go out and beat the USA 2-0 on home soil, you're a pretty handy side. I agree with what Jamie says. I'd probably go a step further, though. I think it's not only great that they're playing this, this match on, on neutral territory, but instead of playing 180 minutes, we're playing 90 minutes. And... You know, football is littered. Football in history is littered with examples of the underdog managing to, to knock off, um, you know, Goliath in that sense because anything can happen in football. It only, it only takes one moment. We saw that with Winston Reid against Slovakia um, back in Rustenburg in, in 2010. And so I think that also gives you added belief that an upset is possible. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm looking forward to it so much. Uh, Andrew Gordy and uh, Jamie Wall, thank you very much for your time this morning. Uh, that was the panel. We'll have another one at the same time tomorrow morning here on SENZ. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.